For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. You're back for another episode of the Believe in NFL Prospects podcast. I am... Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. Today, we are going to be breaking down week eight, as well as some very key storylines surrounding Jalen Waddell's injury and also possibly Trevor Lawrence's decision to play for the Jets. Before we get to that, though, folks, I would like to share with you a message from our sponsors, that being Bet Online. The NFL and NCAA football seasons are in full swing. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, the the big storyline that comes out of this past week ends up being a bit of a negative one. Jalen Waddell being done for the season after a fracture and a high ankle sprain. Now, I I think that many of us would assume that this shouldn't hurt his draft stock too much. But there were some people assuming the worst that this could possibly push him out of the first round. Is that a bit too reactionary? Ryan, where do you sit on this? Do you think that's a little bit too extreme to go to that extent that he could slide because of an ankle injury? I mean, yes. My my biggest thing with – so I don't know the severity – I mean, we we know the severity to a degree, but we don't know the timetable for return. We don't – I mean, I'm not a doctor. So at no point am I going to pretend that I completely understand the long-term effects – or not even the long-term effects, the short-term outlook as far as recovery – my biggest pet peeve, and well, maybe not my biggest pet peeve. You know, you guys know that I have like a million pet peeves at this point. One <laughs> big pet peeve I have is when someone's doing an evaluation of a player, they talk about medicals far in advance of of getting the final outcome at the combine. I, I hear it all the time, like, oh, that their medicals are going to knock them down our board, but you don't know the severity. You're not a doctor. How do you actually know? what the outcome and the long-term effects are going to be of everything. Like I've heard of people talking about Trey Smith's recurring lung issues and they're saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to down my board. I'm not going to my board. You don't have enough inside information to the extent of this injury or any injury at this point in the season to really have a clear cut understanding of how it's going to affect the person long-term. I'm holding out here until further down the line, until the combine, that when we'll see, is Jalen Waddle going to be ready to go? Because we have four months to prepare for this, to recover from this. So depending on how sev- the severity of this injury, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Jalen Waddle is going to be back for that. So that's just like the first layer of it is like, 
people just need to chill out, man, and just let things happen because you're not unless you're a a licensed doctor, unless you actually uh, you know specialize in joints and bone breaks and all that type of stuff, and unless you actually know a hundred percent how long Jalen Wilde is going to be out, oh, he's not going to be able to test, all that type of stuff. Unless you know that stuff from a you know from a a perspective of moving forward here, I don't think that you can hold that against him. And then like yes. People are trying to compare it to somebody compared on Twitter to DK Metcalf. I'm like, there's a big difference between an ankle injury and a neck injury. He's going to be fine. Ankle. That's absurd. It, isn't it absurd? <laughs> it's the most thing. Somebody said that they thought he was going to slide to DK Metcalf. And I'm like, dude, that is completely different conversation. A broken ankle. A like, neck injury ends a career. A, an ankle injury does not. I, what the hell? Absolutely. Right. Like a neck injury, long-term outlooks is a lot different than just a broken ankle. Jalen Waddle is going to be fine. I think he's still going to be a top 20 to 25 selection because I think he's still going to be ready to run at the combine of the pro day. He's going to run in the four threes and people are going to be like, all right, I saw enough while he was at Alabama. Now that I think about it, he's a great player. Let's stop overthinking things. Everything is just so reactionary on a week-to-week basis. I already, Every week Saturday I put overreaction Saturday because it always happens. Let's take a chill pill. Let's take a step back and let things figure itself out at the end of the day. Yeah, so Jalen Waddle's play is predicated on his ability to move, and I've seen on Twitter many times that with the ankle injury, injury, you know, we could see that take a step back. But we don't know right now, like Ryan said, the the extent of this injury, the the impact that this is going to have on him on the short term and the long term. Like Ryan said, let it play out. We have plenty of time until the draft comes around. When it's all said and done, Jalen Waddle's going to get back healthy, and he's going to prove that. He hasn't lost a step. This is just my prediction. Jalen Waddle is is a first-round caliber prospect. I think he's a top 12 guy healthy. And I think once he gets back healthy and you can kind of that concern is kind of mitigated, I think he's he's gonna be drafted in the top half of the first round, just like we've thought all along. Yeah, and I just don't get every time there's an injury like this, everybody becomes a goddamn doctor and they know everything about every little detail. Oh, I I, I rolled my ankle when I was in middle school, so I know the, the process to get back from this injury. For me, the, the way that I look at this, and I actually am, am somewhat considering, you have to pay pay attention to, to what he did. So when I did, I wasn't watching this game because I was watching the Notre Dame game, and I just heard leg injury. I immediately assumed torn ligament. Uh-huh. Usually when you have these torn ligaments, that leads to a, a huge recovery process. And then on top of that, a lot of those guys have a higher chance of re-injuring it, and then also, it you're not you're not always going to come back a hundred percent. This is not a torn ligament. This is a broken bone. It, he shouldn't come back a different player from a broken bone. He, it might take him a little bit while to get back to that same uh, cut speed because it's his ankle, but he's not going to change his quality of play from a, a broken ankle. I'm on the same page with both of you guys. Once he gets to the combine, once he tests at his pro day, whenever, wherever he can fit into that spectrum and whenever he starts that, that pro day prep, which might be soon, he's going to have plenty of time to get back to it. And once you, Everyone sees that he's still that same athlete. Nothing's really going to change. I, I really doubt that we'll have a DK Metcalf type slide, which is a, a possible career ending injury with a neck compared to uh, an ankle. Speaking of, of polarizing topics, this past week, we had people chiming in on whether or not Trevor Lawrence should actually commit to playing for the New York Jets. Of all people, Roddy White, former Falcons receiver, actually weighed in saying that he should return to school and not even leave for the NFL draft. Now, that might be a little bit extreme, 
But we have seen twice that two quarterbacks, Eli Manning and John Elway, have demanded to not play for the teams that were drafting first overall. That then led to pretty lucrative trades. The John Elway one, not as much, but trades that somewhat helped those franchises and then got those quarterbacks to the situations that they wanted. Can we, Will we see something like that? And I, I think the better way to phrase this, and Ryan, I want to hear from you first. If you're Trevor Lawrence, do you make that decision? Do you make that decision not to play for the Jets based on their recent failures to help any quarterback that's been there? I, I think that it all depends on what the state of the Jets is moving forward. I know that the roster is in still a serious need of rebuild, but if Adam Gase is out of there and you're comfortable with the head coaches, I think Joe Douglas is going to be an excellent general manager. I think that his last this, his first draft with the Jets was a very good one. I think that it's going in the right direction there. I think that it was, the roster was just so depleted. It was just in such bad shape that there's there's not going to be a quick fix here. I really think it all depends on who the coach is that he brings in. If there's coaching stability and the general manager is in place and he has a long-term outlook to building this team, I think Trevor Lawrence should just stick if the Jets end up with the first overall pick and stay there because – there's always going to be positive to negatives to every situation, but is the Jacksonville Jaguars right now a better situation than the New York Jets? The New York Jets have draft capital. They have some young guys in place. It's not a great roster, but neither is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm not, I'm not sold on the Jaguars' ownership either. So I think that at this point, like you just you stick to where you're at, man. I, I think that the Jet, there could be worse situations if – the Jets find a head coach and they have the stability at general manager and head coach and they have a solid person in place. I don't think that it's the worst situation in the world. I really don't. Well, if, if you're Trevor Lawrence, you have the most control in this situation because he is one of the best quarterbacks we've seen come out. It doesn't have to be the Jaguars. What if it's like he can pick where he lands if he's trying to or orchestrate this trade? What if he goes and plays for the Minnesota Vikings or – um, I'm trying to think of you know, a better team that's in that range. Mm -hmm. But like there there are some better teams that need a quarterback that he can Carolina. end up on. Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Carolina. Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Whoa. I, I think, what? <laughs> Hold on. Those, we're not going to speed past that. Not those, like those, those are three better options than the Jaguars, and he could very well orchestrate those. He, he's also from Georgia, so the, the Falcons thing is not entirely impossible if they try to move on from Matt Ryan. Sean refuses to to even consider them moving on for Matt Ryan. I'm sure Alex is the same, but I, I think that that is something worth considering that he could end up on a team that he wants to play for. I, I would have traded Matt Ryan yesterday, Alex. That's just me, though. See, okay, you know what? We're not going to go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> if you at like what the Falcons have a top three offense in the NFL right now, don't they? Isn't it top three in scoring? Yeah, but, but what's, what's, the, what's the long-term outlook, Alex? What's the long-term outlook? They're not ready to win I, anytime he's, soon. He's 33. I agree with that, but here here's my take on that. You, you have an offense that's ready to go. Obvi look, at, look at what they did last week. They dominated Minnesota. They get Dan Quinn out of the building. They dominate Minnesota. I, I'm not saying Minnesota is a One in top five team? Tier. Oh, that's, that's a great accomplishment. Okay, but I'm not saying they're a top-tier team, but I'm saying the defense showed life. If the defense shows life, if they've proved to – play more consistently on that side of the football 
that offense is going to win them games. That offense had them in every game so far this season, out, uh, away from uh, what game was it that they got dominated? Was it the Packers? No. Probably. I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, I feel I feel like you're going to keep yourself in quarterback purgatory, though, if you if you continue right. to do this, because I don't think the defense is going to be able to pick, going to be able to catch up to the offense in a in a in a short enough window. And all these assets that you have on offense are all older players besides for Calvin Ridley, like Julio right. Jones. No, I, 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 and I'm usually and I'm I'm usually on that side of the table. However, you don't need great play from the defense for this team to be successful and win football games. You just need average defense play. That's just how bad this defense has been. The defense has been atrocious. Bottom of the NFL. I don't care. You can ask like there is no defense that I would that I would not take over the Falcons right now. And that's with Deion Jones. Jaguars are a historically bad defense, Alex. The Jaguars no, are no, pathetic. No, no, no. You, you'd rather have the Cowboys defense? Yes. Give me the Cowboys no, defense over no, the Falcons defense. No, Come no. on, man. No, give right, me wait, the So we don't go too off tangent, though. Where, where do you sit on Trevor Lawrence? Should he stay? Should he go? I mean, you're going to go. I mean, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence isn't. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence even gave me hints that he was that kind of guy, he wouldn't have played this year because he has nothing left to prove. You can tell he's a competitor. He's not going to shy away from a challenge. Uh, obviously, the Jets being a challenge. But away from just my personal belief on him, every year you have a bad team picking number one. Uh, Joe Burrow could have done Cincinnati's a bad football team. Yeah, maybe it's not quite to the extent as the Jets this year, but Cincinnati's offensive line was not doing Joe Burrow any favors. And if I'm Joe Burrow last year do I think oh god I don't want to play against you know playing uh behind an offensive line that can't protect me how many times have he been sacked this year I think he leads the NFL right now on times he's been on his rear so you know every year you're gonna have a bad football team next year it could be the Jaguars or it could be the Giants if Daniel Jones Jets again Jets again you know it it could (laughs) every year you're gonna have a bad team pick number one and every year we're gonna have this conversation when we have a bona fide number one player in the draft class. Every year that we have one of those players like Trevor Lawrence and like Joe Burrow became over the course of last football season, that you start to you start to swirl around the idea of, God, do you want to see this guy play on the worst team in the NFL? That's the nature of the NFL draft. They they stage it that way on purpose. The best players go to the worst teams. It's just the balancing effect. And it, it, it sometimes you can look at it as unfortunate. Some years there's better number one overall teams than the, other, than the next. I mean, Arizona, for instance, a couple years ago, they had some talent. You know, you saw you saw a vision for, for them finding early success with, with drafting Kyler Murray. And they have. Look at them now. And you don't see that as much with the Jets because uh, because of where their roster's at and where their head coach is at and, and such. But... Look, you you can't you can't do that. I mean, every year is gonna be bad. And like Ryan said, last year the Jets brought in Joe Douglas brought in a good draft class. I think that's gonna be a successful group. He had if 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 they end up picking number one overall, Trevor Lawrence, and then you know you're gonna have that thirty third overall pick, which is just a poor man's first round pick. I mean, you're going to have good draft capital and bring in good guys. So, I you don't do this. Um, just because I don't think I don't think it's going to be that much better for you to to do to do anything else. So uh, I want to wrap this discussion by just just pointing this out. Uh, in in situations like this, it's it's good to point to times of precedent. So there's not a lot of precedent for this, but I think back to to Matthew Stafford, who went to a team that was one of the worst in NFL history, and the Jets are already on pace to to match that. I don't think they're going to beat anybody this year. And then he goes to the Lions, 
And what has he done with, with his career? He has played fantastic in a number of seasons. He's thrown for over 5,000 yards. He's been a, a shining light on a franchise that has no idea how to put together a winning team. Also, not very good at picking coaches either because they went backwards with Matt Patricia. That's what I worry about with Trevor Lawrence. I, I worry that he will, you know, we can say they got all this draft capital. You know, they, they have, um, you know, they, they could turn it around in a few years. But is that actually something that we can guarantee? Because this franchise has not done that. The, the only thing they really have their, to hang their hat on over the past decade or so, even longer is that they made the AFC Championship game, and since then, they haven't really done anything. Every quarterback behind Mark Sanchez has been let down significantly. So I, I just worry that Trevor Lawrence will be the only good player on a team that is constantly shuffling people in and out, that is always going to be 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and nine, maybe sometimes 9-7, and seven, and he'll not have the success that we really hoped him to because he's just not getting any of the coaching support or any of the roster support. We'll have to see what ends up happening with that, and I think that is the, the most ambiguous question because before the draft, everybody is going to be saying he should or he shouldn't refuse to play for the Jets, and we're not going to know for sure if that's a good decision or not until 15, 10 years from now when we actually see him string together some success. To get into our weekly stock discussion from week eight Ryan why don't you start off start us off first with your player and that being Carson Strong oh man here we go you guys ready for this about to drop some hot takes on you all in a second here oh great Carson Strong University of Nevada this is a take that I've been sitting on for no exaggeration here probably over a month because I actually have a article coming out on him that has been ready to go for several weeks had the ability to sit down with him and talk ball with him for a few minutes here it is. Redshirt sophomore Carson Strong. I doubt he's in the 2021 NFL draft, but the hot take is here is we had back-to-back drafts where we had Josh um Josh Allen or sorry, every it was it's it's an every other tra- other every other year trend. So we had Josh Allen in 20 um 2018 NFL draft first round pick out of the Mountain West. 2020, we just had Jordan Love. We're probably not going to have anybody in 2021 from the Mountain West. Carson Strong, first-round pick, 2022 NFL Draft, University of Nevada, 6'4", 220 pounds. Last night, he had an amazing game, 39 out of 52, 420 yards, four touchdowns, including the game winner in overtime. I posted a a thread on him probably about a month and a half ago because I got to, to watch three of his games, and I will tell you, this dude's arm is live. There's a lot of talent here. I th- I am already hearing whispers about NFL potential, even though he's only a redshirt sophomore. I think this kid is very good, and I I doubt again that he's going to be in the 2021 NFL draft just because he's only going he's only a redshirt sophomore in his first year as the full time starter after taking over uh, probably a quarter of the way through last year. So I doubt he's going to have the resume that is going to allow him to jump ship this year. But 2022. Everybody talks about Sam Howell and Keaton Slovis. Everybody knows how big of a Slovis guy I am. Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Spencer Rattler potentially from Oklahoma. It's a great class. This kid is right in that conversation. I think he's a first-round pick when all is said and done. The kid from Nevada, if you if you like watching some late-night football from time to time, I would tune into Nevada because they have a special signal caller. The next 
Mountain West quarterback to go in the first round, Carson Strong, Nevada. I love, I love it. And I have, I've actually never seen Carson Strong. I fell asleep uh, er, uh, <laughs> early last night. Not gonna lie to you, did not watch any of that Nevada game. You've been on the Carson Strong train for quite some time now. You're, you know, and, and look, I, I, I don't like to hype you up, Ryan, but you were the first on JC Horn. I got to give it to you. You were the first there, and look where he's at now. I, I definitely gotta, gotta check out Carson Strong. Check out some of that tape because if you think that he could be that next Mountain West first round quarterback this kid must be pretty special so uh yeah I have I I don't know much about Carson Strong outside of some highlight clips that Ryan sends in the the group chat all the time uh but no uh, yeah that's that's insane that you're that high on him that's fun so Alex your stock up player happens to be a possible day one currently more so a day two tackle Jalen Mayfield for Michigan he looked really good against Minnesota what impressed you about him well you know the the Big Ten decided to cancel the season um and Jalen Mayfield said you know what I'm gonna go ahead and take uh take my talents to the NFL not waste time with this whole whole COVID season and you know there were a lot of questions going into the evaluation period for for Jalen Mayfield uh as far as his play strength a little bit of a consistency thing. Ryan was a lot higher on him over the summer than I was. You had him as a top five tackle, did you not? Yeah, I was. I was gonna say he was well in that top five for you. So, you know, I I had him at five or six if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, I had him. I had him clear in that middle of day two territory. I thought he had some consistency issues and and some play strength issues. When the Big Ten announces they're coming back, he says, you know what, I'm back in. And I think that's that was great so he could build off of what he showed in 2019. And he started with a bang. I mean, prime time, college game days here, Minnesota, Michigan, two pancakes and key plays. I mean, this guy just looked like he was a force. I mean, he was moving guys off their spot, which is something that I didn't see in his his film over the summer. I saw him as a... You know, he had good good footwork, solid build. You know, this guy's going to stay in front of you. But this guy dominated uh, from start to finish on in this game. You know, on that side of the football, there, is, there wasn't too much to watch uh, from an from a evaluation standpoint. There's not too many Minnesota defenders to keep an eye on that are that highly regarded. Not too many Michigan offensive guys. So I was watching a lot of right tackle Jalen Mayfield, and man, uh, he just impressed me play after play after play. I mean, he, he was in his spots. He worked well in space. That's where you saw a lot of the, a lot of the key plays, uh, the, the quarterback run to the outside, the touchdown run Jalen Mayfield. I mean, he, he looks fairly complete and I, and I'm willing to say this is a first round tackle. I mean, he's just a, he's, he's a well-rounded guy. He, he's, he can work well in space. He's, he's a good, he's got good footwork in his pass protection. Uh, I like his hands. He's strong. He was finishing plays. I'm, I'm I'm coming around on the Jalen Mayfield first round train. Uh, it was it was an impressive game to watch. I'm glad he's able to to show his improvement uh, in 2020, which we we weren't thinking we were going to get uh, just a couple months ago. And I really like the the evolution of this offensive tackle class so far in general because I, I remember when yeah. I left this summer, I was like, there's there's Penesul, and then there's a whole bunch of question marks. Like there's guys that definitely have the traits to ascend. But now I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know, you guys know I'm a huge Spencer Brown guy. Tevin Jenkins for Oklahoma State, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, um, Sam Cosme from Texas. Like, there's guys right there. Are they are they all bona fide first round players potentially? Probably not. But I think that the the 
the real depth of that class, there's a lot of day two tackles that I think all have starter upside. I think that this class is really developing nicely in a question mark of a position breakdown during the summer. On to our stock down. Ryan, you are defiant in picking a whole defensive group after TCU looked pretty <laughs> sloppy against Oklahoma in a 33-14 to 14 loss. Why did you decide to go with a whole group of guys, and who are those guys that you are down on? So it's three out of the 11 starters for, for TCU. <laughs> we, we left this summer, and I was very high on Garrett Wallow, the linebacker, um, as a developmental linebacker piece. He was gaining a lot of weight. Now I know he's 6'2", 230-plus now, working in the middle of the defense. Our Darius Washington was like the crown jewel of a lot of people's safety rankings, right? Like I wasn't as big as – some people were, but everybody loved the guy. He's a really small, kind of nickel-type defender who does some nice things in deep zone. Like, he's not – he's just not, for me, a perfect fit into any role because of his size limitations. And then there's Trevon Morig, who I liked a good bit. I think I had him as, like, the second or third-rated safety coming out of summer. And right now, like – all those guys, like Ardarius Washington and Trevon Morig so far during the season have no pass breakups, no interceptions. They've been pretty invisible. They're not making plays on the ball. Ardarius Washington, I feel like, is nowhere to be found. The highlight of his day yesterday was getting run over. Like, there was just nothing to watch there, man. Like, I'm waiting for these guys, these ultra-athletic safeties, to make some plays on the football. I'm not seeing it. They're, they're just – they're invisible right now. I, it's kind of similar to how I feel about some of those Florida State defenders. Like, I'm just – like, where are they? Are they going to pop onto the field at some point? And then Garrett Wallow, I think he has, like, 36 tackles in four games. So, he's been productive. I just feel like he looks a little slower to me. He put on, like, 15, 20 pounds this offseason – he just doesn't look like the same caliber of athlete that I saw in the summer and the reason I was excited about. So I think that there's still some possibilities for him. I'm just – I had a lot of expectations for that defense. Gary Patterson is a defensive genius there. They always play good defense in the Big 12 Conference, which does not typically play a lot of defense. I've just been very underwhelmed with the TCU guys, specifically the safeties. I'm waiting for them to make some plays, and I just am not seeing it on a weekly basis. Well, for us talking live, a lot of the <clears throat> times we're talking about defensive players stocked down, it's it's just invisibility because we can't, you know, we don't have the all twenty two to see if the you know these corners and these safeties in deep coverage. But it's like you said, those TCU defenders have just been invisible to this point in the in the season, and that's how I feel about mine as well. And that's Marvin Wilson. I'm doubling down. Ryan talked about him stocked down what two weeks ago. And you alluded to it, the Florida State defenders, those those guys that you know we're talking about being high draft picks outside of Asante Samuel Jr. with some ball production have been invisible. Marvin Wilson, what did he have? One or two tackles yesterday? Uh, I think one tackle for a loss, but that's pretty much how his season's been. He has not been a, a, a force uh, at the line of scrimmage. He hasn't been getting any backfield production, you know, relative to expectation or what what he did last year. And this is against Louisville. Louisville's offensive line is not good. And, and he just couldn't get anything going. And, and you know, there's too many guys on that defensive line for him to be double teamed on a, on a snap-to-snap basis. You know, you have Corey Durden, you have some other guys on that defensive line. And he just can't generate anything. And, I, look, going into the season, people were talking about Marvin Wilson being Derrick Brown, plus some people are thinking. I was never on that train, but I did have him as a, as a top-ten guy in this class. 
And, you know, I don't, I don't believe in, I'm with Ryan. I don't believe in changing your rankings throughout the season, let the whole product play out and then reevaluate at the end of the season. But to this point, I think it's, it's easy to say that if the season were to end tomorrow for everybody, he's, he's outside of my top 15. I, I, I think he's, you know, he, you see splash plays, you know, you can't ignore what he put on the 2019 tape. So I still think there, there is some, some first round, you know, consideration. I I still consider him a first round prospect. However, we still have tweets going out. Who's the best defensive player in this class. And I still see Marvin Wilson's name flying around when you have Micah Parsons, you have um, uh, Greg Rousseau, like there's defensive players in this class. It's not the best defensive class I've ever seen. But for you to still to this day consider Marvin Wilson the number one defensive player in the class after what he's put out so far in this 2020 season, I just I I don't get it. He's been invisible, and that and and look, we'll go we'll get to the end of the season. I'll probably be proven wrong uh, because he's he's disrupting. He's just not putting up numbers, and 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 it's hard it's hard for us to to evaluate a defensive player that we're not looking at playing and play out you know, the day after the game. And, it, but, but Ryan said it best when he was talking about the invisibility. Look, Marvin Wilson is supposed to be a game wrecker and he just has yet to wreck a game. And, and he hasn't played very good offensive lines to this point in the season. And he, he's supposed to be this Derek Brown, Derek Brown, week in and week out, you saw him in the backfield, Javon Kinlaw, week in and week out, he was in the backfield. He was making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Marvin Wilson has not been doing that this year. And so for me, this is someone that I'm going to have to reevaluate big time, watch a lot of film on uh, more so than the average. You know, usually I watch three, four games of a prospect. This one, I might have to to dig a little deeper, depending on what I see in those first few games, because I I, he, I don't know where he's at. And this guy was really impressive to me. Uh, you know, the splash plays were really impressive in 2019. And I just haven't seen any of those yet in 2020 outside of the block field goals that he had what was that two block field goals or something but what is that doing for me on the on the defensive side of the football I, I I'm he's stocked down that's just what it is Mar- Marcus Hunt was one of the best block field goal guys of all time you're not drafting Marcus Hunt in the first round like that's not right. that's not the value there it's just like I think Marvin Wilson's Eddie Goldman I, I said this I think last week or two weeks ago I think that that's a good player like I would draft Eddie Goldman in the first round I think he's a he's a very good defensive tackle is this guy a top 10 caliber player though? I don't think so. I don't think he affects the game that way. And he's just been he's just been invisible so far. And like Alex said, maybe it'll be something where you're like, okay, like he was causing some penetration issues. It's just he's not making the high impact plays for whatever reason. You know, his supporting cast around him isn't doing a great job, blah, blah, blah. I just think that it's a down defense interior defensive line class this year I, I talked about this a few days on a few days ago on Twitter I think that Marvin Wilson is in result one of those guys that just got kind of buoyed by the fact that he's the be- he's pr- maybe the best of what is a depleted class to a degree so I don't think it's his fault I think he's a good football player I think he's Eddie Goldman caliber I just don't think that he's a guy that you're going to say that is a building block of our defense he's a secondary piece that's a good football player I don't think he's a guy that you put your hat on and you say that's our playmaker. That's a guy that when when tough t- when times are the toughest, he's going to make the play for us. So to wrap us up, like we started doing last week, we are going to end with our stat sheet stuffers, guys that we thought had stupid stat lines that we want to bring up and mention 
that maybe we're outside of the discussion on stock up, stock down. I'm going to get us started first. Marlon Williams, UCF wide receiver. He had nine receptions, 174 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a pretty good stat line for me. Alex, who you got? For me, I, I you got it. You got to talk about this guy, the Texas Tech punter. No one knows his name, but Austin McNamara. It's an 87-yard punt in the stat book, but this thing kept going. You know, once it gets to the to the end zone, you stop counting how far it goes. This is probably a 115-yard punt with pressure. This one's been circling around Twitter, and it's been it's been fun to to interact with. But this guy was pressured. He let it rip. This thing just took some great bounces once it did hit, and it just kept rolling. I've never in my life seen a punt so far. I mean, he was backed up on his own end zone just about, and he sent this through the back of the end zone on the other side of the football field. I have never seen anything like that. That's that's This is ridiculous. Someone to keep an eye on for sure. Ryan, who you got? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were going to rebuttal Joe because we're talking special teams. You know, this is that's your thing, man. Uh, uh, all right, fine. I'll, I'll throw something in. The dude caught a lot of wind. Some punters get lucky with a lot of wind. I I don't think that's that impressive to me. That's just if you have a good punt and the wind is at your is is going with you, it's not that hard to hit a ball that far. I've been in practice. Joe's with guys a hater. Joe, Joe just wishes he could. No, no, no. Because I, I understand. I'm not a punt. Why would I wish I could punt it that far? I'm a long snapper. I'm telling you, I've seen guys do stuff like that, and it's 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 cool to see it happen. But you understand that when a guy has a, a leg that only reaches a certain distance, when he out kicks it, it's because of the wind. That was because of the wind. You're, Let us have fun, Joe. Dude, you're no. you're full of wind right now, full of hot air right now. Can't do something. <laughs> no. Let us have fun. No, Scrooge. I hold specialists to the highest standard. Okay, when somebody hits one through the air with no wind, then we'll talk. Who's the best punter in college football, then, Joe? Let me hear it. Oh, I don't know if. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, last one of the day. I got the best stat sheet stuffer of the week because Joe picked a week one. Alex picked a punter. Who cares about that? I got Malik Willis, Auburn transfer, Liberty quarterback, 24 of 31 for 345 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Also, and by the way, we need to talk about this one time. How dumb is it that they they um they subtract yardage for sacks in college football? That is the dumbest thing yeah, in the I world. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, I hate that so much. So he had That's 12 carries on the ground on top of the six touchdown passes for 97 yards and a touchdown, and that's counting four sacks into that yardage total. So would have been well over 100 yards, touchdown, six touchdowns through the air. Malik Willis, seven total touchdowns for the Liberty Flames in their 56-35 victory over Southern Miss. Well, that is going to be it for us on today's episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon. You also heard from Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. Follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft for Ryan, and at Alex Gilstrap for Alex, as well as our show's Twitter account at NFL Prospects Pod. We've got a lot of good content coming in and out, especially on game days. Make sure you go and find that that follow button, hit that follow button, stay up to date, not only on our shows, our wonderful interviews, but also with uh, all the great stuff that we're putting out on there. Also, Fall Believe Podcasts at BLEAV Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram and head to believe.com for hundreds of other amazing shows. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Stay tuned for this week's inter- interview where we will hear from Mandy Alonzo.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.